We just heard the words, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees, they equated righteousness with satisfying the outward observance of the law. In other words, their righteousness was based upon obedience to a set of laws or rules. In fact, you know how many there were in the Torah? 615. And so their righteousness had very little to do with relationship with others. It was all about obedience. Now, I would suspect that many of us, when we were young, we viewed obedience as a response to avoid being punished. How many of you are that way, right? We obeyed the laws of the house because otherwise something would happen to us if we didn't. We also thought, or at least I'll just speak for myself, you're all holier than I, so... We also thought we were good just by merely obeying our parents or superiors. If I obey my parents, I'm a good boy, right? So this mindset was all about assenting to the rule of law instead of a person. It had nothing to do with love. It had nothing to do with love. Let's look at the Ten Commandments, for example. So they constitute the foundation of the moral order which God revealed to his people. The Ten Commandments, they mirror these ethical guidelines that through reflection we can easily... How many of you know the Ten Commandments? How many of you don't know the Ten Commandments? I know you won't raise your hand. <laughs> but the Ten Commandments, they mirror ethical guidelines that through reflection we can easily make an examination of conscience, which we all should every day. We should examine our conscience and how we were responsive to the Lord and to his love, and how we weren't in the way we treated others. But these commandments, they keep us in check, protecting us from the great moral evils. And following the Ten Commandments help us resist our disordered tendencies towards sin. We all have them. But if we don't know the Ten Commandments, perhaps we don't know what our disorders are. In the gospel today, at first glance, Jesus seems to challenge the law, the old law, when he calls out, you know, but I say to you. However, we know that he did not intend to take away the smallest letter of the law. In fact, if we go back to the beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, fifth chapter of Matthew's gospel, we find the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes, and through them we understand that Jesus wanted to go beyond he wanted us to go beyond, if we wanted life, true life, beyond the basic rules, beyond a law that prevents a man from sinning. Jesus wanted to redeem and to renew and to recreate us. 
Indeed, the ultimate purpose of God's covenant with us is to lead all of humanity to his true fullness, right? And that true fullness consists more than just following rules and regulations and restraining from falling into temptation. It constitutes a new life. So Jesus came and gave us this new law and it became a part of you and me in baptism. This new law is within us, a law which has its life in the silent whisper of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We don't need the Ten Commandments if we're alive in the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit who not only informs us but empowers us to love the good, to be whom we have all been created to be, Thus, Jesus, he did not demand higher standards by giving us a new law. He not only did that, but he also empowered us to fulfill them. No matter how challenging the gospel might be, we can live it to its completeness and its fullness. That power is within us because of the Holy Spirit is within us. Maybe perhaps the question is, do we want to? Do we want to make the sacrifices necessary with our lives in order to live the fulfillment of the law, the, the new law? Because this is our Christian faith. We live a new life in Jesus. He lives in us. His love spreads, can spread in our hearts and thereby we can, fully, we can become fully alive. So our true potential, how many of you want to live up to your true potential? How many, are you, how many of you are living up to your true potential? No one? Wow, we have a problem here. If we're not, it's because we don't want to, right? Because we have it within us to be able to do that, because he lives in us. Our true potential is not only activated by avoiding sins, big sins, we come fully alive and whole when we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. So this is where the season of Lent takes us if it's taken seriously. If it's taken seriously. A life in Jesus is ultimately about closing the gap between being good and being holy. How many of you are good? Everyone should have your hands up. How many of you are holy? Everyone should have their hands up. But a life in Jesus is about all the about closing this gap between being good and being holy, making the leap from merely controlling our tendency for doing evil to fostering and nourishing our tendency for doing good, for living a holy life. This leap, it's really it's a transformation of, the, of us into a truly virtuous person. It's, it's not the result of an external law. It's not the result of obeying laws. It's not a result of the old law. It's a result of living the new commandment. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Who can tell me what that is? As I have loved you. Very good. You get an A minus. <laughs> but again, this commandment, this law is about a right relationship, right? Not a, about you know, obeying a set of some code. It's about a right relationship that comes 
from an ordered desire within us toward love. Holiness or our own righteousness is never farther than the depths of our heart in its intentions to love. So if we get up every morning asking the Lord, Lord, help me to love like you. Write that on your mirror. Lord, help me to love like you. It'll be challenging because you'd be surprised who the Lord will bring to you that he's wanting you to love that you don't really want to. Lord, help me to love like you. So our holiness, my holiness, is never farther than the presence of another person. Think about that. Your holiness is never farther than the presence of another person, whoever that might be, who comes into the sound of, into the sound of my voice or the glance of my face or the action of my hands. Our holiness is measured in our reactions to people. And it comes from a desire to love. That's the new law. That's the new law. The season of Lent affords each of us the opportunity to reflect and pray about how we live out this life of obedience. Not to a set of rules and regulations, but to a set to a command to love. That's what Lent is about. Is it adherence to laws out of fear of being punished or does our obedience come from this place of love that's within us? You know, I think there, there are plenty of opportunities to look at our own righteousness, our own holiness, our own virtues, our own desires. And perhaps it begins the family community is a good place where it might, we might learn this. Think about your families. How do you love within that family community? Especially those who might be difficult to love, right? But yet we're still called to love them. So if we want a, want a reflection during the season of Lent, perhaps, and it's coming from this, with the opportunities in our life where we might learn love, perhaps it can begin there. And the Lord will help us to grow to a maturity of heart where our capacity to love and to accept others widens from the family community out to the wider community, whatever that community might look like. And perhaps the family community is also a place where we might learn what true obedience is about and what kind of a heart is necessary to embrace it. This is what it was. And it was thus that he humbled himself obediently, accepting even death, death on a cross. This is the truest example, my dear friends, of right relationship, the obedience of Jesus, an obedience that's grounded in his love and in his, in his desire to love the Father. That's obedience not to a set of laws, but to one who gives life. And now, my dear friends, this very love is offered to us here in this Holy Eucharist. Through it, may our capacity to love widen and deepen, following the example of the one who first loved us.